gosh. Okay, this is fun. Happy Mother's Day, everyone, if you are a mum. And um, yeah, I just want to start by saying well done to the mothers here. COVID has been incredibly difficult for mothers, I think, worldwide. I think it's been hard on everyone and parents particularly, but I think particularly on mums, statistics show that so many women have had to quit their jobs to homeschool, to look after their children, or they have attempted to do both um, and probably felt like they were failing at both for most of the last year. And I just want to recognize that because I think that is huge. I've got good friends who have left good paying jobs because they knew they needed to focus on their kids because their kids weren't able to just do Zoom school independently. So well done. I know some of you have had babies during COVID. Um, some of you listening, there's lots of people who couldn't be here today. But um, yeah, I, so many of you have had babies and gosh, to not be able to then kind of interact with other mums or other people or family and have that support during that time, that first year of parenting, I think that's just been so difficult. So well done to all of you. And I know uh, for the dads as well, that has been incredibly hard. Um, but although COVID has had its challenges, I think most parents would say that there has been an upside to this kind of wartime <laughs> feeling in our homes. Um, the fact that our kids haven't been rushing around quite so much. We haven't um, been all as fragmented as we usually are going all our, you know, dad goes to work kind of in the other room or <laughs> the kids go to school in the other room. There definitely is more family time. And I think this tension of COVID having been an incredibly difficult time in some ways, but also um, a time where I think a lot of people feel that it has reset their family life and there have been some real positives. Um, I think kind of really shows some of what I wanna speak about today, just this tension that I think as mums we live with, as parents we live with, and basically um, as Christians we live with. Um, I don't wanna just be speaking for the mums today, although I do think it's okay if one Sunday a year we uh, do speak a little bit more intentionally to the mums. But I hope that, um, yeah, as we look, we're gonna look at the life of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I hope that as we look at her and just think about um, the way that she had to trust God in a place of tension, um, that it will speak to you no matter your circumstances, whether you're a mum, whether you're a dad, whether you're um, a single person, whether you, um, you know, you're at a crossroads in your life. Um, just as a Christian um, in this society, in this society, we are all facing um, tension. Okay, some of the tensions that I talked about um, in the Bible are that the last will be first. That actually servant serving is the best way to kind of gain um, power. Like that is a real tension. That's not what the world says. Um, we live with the tension that God is all knowing, yet we have free will. Like that, we have to kind of live with that tension. That's really, really hard. We 
know that God is all-powerful, yet we know that we don't always get what we want. We don't always get what we pray for. We don't always see people get healed, even though we believe God can do it. Um, And being a parent, being a mum, I think last this time last year I did a little talk a bit like this and I talked about how being a mum feels like it is too much and too little all at the same time. Um, and that is a tension that we live with. Um, tension, the word, can be defined as a balanced relationship between strongly opposing elements. And you can think of it as almost an elastic band, an elastic band being pulled kind of equal opposite forces to the point that it is strained and stretched. And I know as a parent, I can feel stretched thin because often there are two equal kind of things that I know are good. I know that the hard is the only way often I get to And often as Christians, we know that going through the hard is the only way that we get through the good. And Jesus, obviously, is the ultimate example of that. He had to lay down his life to be able to face the mountain. Now, as I said, I really want to focus on Mary. I don't know how many of you have been watching The Chosen, but I think um, as I started watching The Chosen, most of the episodes where Mary um, appears, she's an older woman kind of looking back on Jesus' life. And she's just so beautifully depicted in The Chosen that I think it just made me want to kind of look further into her life. And so I've done a bit of a kind of study on just how many times Mary is actually mentioned in Jesus' life, other than just, you know, the Christmas story, the nativity story that we all know and love. Um, She is actually mentioned quite a few other times in the Gospels, particularly by Luke and by John. And um, she has a really, really important role. Um, She, like us as parents, experienced probably, I mean, an incredible sense of tension. Um, She had to experience this sense privilege of being the the mother of the Messiah versus the pain that that we know she she ends up having to go through seeing her son crucified. She had to go through this um, experience of having been told by the angel Gabriel that she was going to be the Messiah, but then not seeing him for up to three years. And then she also had to like all of us, love, but then let go. So we're just going to kind of look at each of those um, three. And, yeah, it's just I really hope that God will speak to you, not only as a parent, but also just as a Christian, about these tensions that can put sometimes personal pressure. So let me take you back to the Christmas story. I know it's hot outside, but it's okay. So the angel Gabriel, he comes to Mary, And he says, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
And initially, it says that Mary was greatly troubled at his words. But the angel said, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And Mary questions this. The amazing thing is, Mary, although it does say she was troubled, thank God it says she was troubled. I thank God she was more than human. Um, but she very, very quickly gets to a place where she sees that this is a blessing from the Holy Spirit, that this is a privilege. And we know that Jews as a rule would have been waiting for the Messiah to come. They would have been waiting every year for somebody to declare themselves as um, the Messiah, somebody who would them from the Roman rule, the oppression that they're living under. And um, after the angel said this, she quickly says, I am the Lord's servant. And she says, may your word be fulfilled. And so I can't imagine how she felt after that interaction with the angel. She just, you know, as a normal human giving birth to a normal baby. Finding out you're pregnant is pretty overwhelming. You don't feel ever feel ready for that. It never quite fits into your time frame. You never quite feel like you've got enough money or time or knowledge to bring a human into the world. But I cannot imagine what she was feeling. And she goes quickly to see her cousin, Elizabeth, who is also pregnant supernaturally. So I think she must have been like her second or third cousin. She's obviously a lot older than Mary. And she goes to see her, and she seems to get this confirmation, like God is so kind to her. And um, Elizabeth, when she arrives, um, Elizabeth says, in a loud voice, she exclaims, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And it says that the baby in Elizabeth's womb leapt, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And it just, it feels like God was so kind that he, she must have been feeling all the emotions, and, and God gave her this confirmation through um, Elizabeth. And after this kind of supernatural confirmation is when Mary sings this amazing song, I'm not going to sing to you, but... This has become known as the Magnificat, and she says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. And just that response is so incredible. She feels that privilege. not 
you probably all got friends or maybe some of you experiencing myself. We, we, want to ha- we do want to have children. I cannot have children. When I was pregnant with Poppy, my very best friend um, was struggling with infertility and it was just the hardest thing to tell her I was pregnant. And I know mothers say it can be such a difficult thing and it's so hard to navigate that when you're going through the joy of being pregnant when, when your friends you know are desperate to have a family. Um, but she is aware of this privilege and we need to be aware of the privilege too. And I think in our society, being a mum can be so unsafe. We almost have to kind of put a tacket on to everything else we're doing. But it's a huge privilege that God gives us. Um, and we have been called to be the mum to our children Lily just joined. My, I've got three girls. Daisy, she's 14. Lily's 13. Two teenagers now. Um, Lily Neville. And Poppy, who's basically a teenager. She's nine. And, um, and they are so, I mean, they're so wonderful. But it hasn't always felt like a privilege. But you have those moments where you're like, oh, this is amazing what, what God has given me, what God has blessed me with. And um, I get to be the biggest blessing on their lives. And that is incredible. That doesn't mean I'm always going to get it right. And it means I'm going to have to apologize a lot. And I do have to apologize a lot because I get it wrong. Again, people are with us all the time, particularly during COVID. And, you know, we're together all the time. And I'm not the best teacher, it turns out, when it comes to (laughs) homeschooling. And there's been some interesting moments where laptops have been thrown across rooms. I hide their phones in places that I forget where I've hidden them. Like, you know, we're learning. But it is an incredible privilege to be their mum. And Mary had this incredible plan um, for her life. God, God gave her this incredible calling. And she literally gave birth to God. I just, I can't even get my head around the fact that God literally made her aware through a human girl. I mean, it blows my mind knowing how intimate that relationship is with with a glimpse of a glimpse. Um, It is, it's just absolutely mind-blowing. She had to help him. She had to mend him. She had to nurse him. He needed her. So God needed her. And, that's, and, and needed his dad, too, needed Joseph, his earthly dad. He needed the help from this woman. And uh, there's a bit in um, one of the Gospels, in, in Luke 11, it says, As Jesus was preaching, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And what the woman is saying is, is true, like, the woman who gave birth, who carried the Messiah in her womb, she is, is great and blessed. What an incredible honor, what an amazing privilege. But Jesus' response is so interesting. He says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And what we see often as we look at the way Jesus interacts with Mary as an adult is that he he doesn't lift her up as more important than anybody else. Um, as soon as she starts to minister, she is just another person 
who I need to get to 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 believe in God, and another person who needs to see that Jesus follows him, and he is looking for that bigger picture of what it now means to be part of the kingdom of God, to become children of God, and that relationship um, that obviously would have been so special between him and Mary for 30 years um, changes, and she she becomes now just one of his disciples. And I think that is so huge for us to understand what that must have been like for Mary. So as we look at this um, tension between the privilege to know himself versus the pain, I think this factors really high. No longer does he have this special role in her son's life. He says very clearly, no, anyone who follows me is going to do this, not just Mary, who's the bigger um, So Jesus knew there was this incredible tension between Mary's roles. He knew that it was going to be hard for her. And as we actually look at her life, and we see that Mary was human, like us. She wasn't just um, a teenager, she was a teenager. She was probably 13, 14 at the time. Um, she probably hadn't got much experience of looking after children. Um, she was pregnant in a culture where it was literally illegal to be pregnant outside of marriage. And for her to so quickly come to a place of saying, I am your humble servant, I'll do whatever you want me to do, um, even though she knew she literally could be stoned for being pregnant, I mean, is mind-blowing. And if Joseph had rejected her, then she, she would have been completely on her own. And the fact that God stepped in and then spoke to Joseph through several dreams, who, which meant that she married so quickly and she didn't have to face that level of shame, is absolutely um, incredible, but it would have been so difficult for her. Um, also, Jesus was born in a stable. She didn't get to go to a high-end hospital or have that option of choosing to have your baby at home with a big kind of, I don't know, what is it, like a big spa, hot tub thing. And <laughs> Jackie knows. Jackie's always there. <laughs> and um, I think, you know, it was dirty. You know, we we know the story so well, we just forget how unbelievably difficult, even just the journey to get from A to B, let alone this giving birth. And then I just think the feeling of she knows this is going to be her Messiah, yet she's giving birth to him in like dirt in a stable, and then she's put in a manger. And I know with my kids, um, probably the thing I struggle with the most is that feeling of Am I doing enough for them? Is this good enough? Like, are they going to be scarred because I didn't do that thing? Like, it's more like positions of omission. <laughs> like, did I miss something? Like, did I miss that opportunity? And, you know, if, if you don't have the right, if your kids don't have the right shoes or they don't have the right things in their pack lunches or you, you feel like, oh, my goodness, maybe I'm scarring them. And this is the mother of Jesus having to give birth to him in a stable, would, you know, would she have felt, am I, am I kind of hindering 
is he still going to be able to be the Messiah even though he was born in a manger, you know, put in a manger? Is he a blame player? I think this, this guilt, this sense of guilt is such a huge part of parenting. Um, and actually most women say um, guilt tends to be the biggest emotion that they feel as mums, um, particularly if they don't have enough work and leave their kids or if they don't have enough to be able to provide for them. I think there's a huge kind of um, guilt that we can experience. Um, also, right at the beginning of kids' life, when they're navigating having a baby, they have to go from Bethlehem to Egypt. They have to flee because Herod is killing all the newborns and all the firstborn um, males. And so with this tiny baby, she has to flee because she's tempted to kill him. She faced a huge amount of shame. Um, when Mary and Joseph go and present Jesus at the temple, um, Simeon and Anna, these two very wise, godly kind of prophet, prophetess um, people, they speak over Jesus and they kind of confirm, yes, this is the Messiah. But Simeon looks at her and she says, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that he will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And he looks at her and says, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. So she's basically being told when Jesus was a baby that he was going to face incredible pain. She's told a sword will pierce your own soul. So she's warning that being a child was going to bring about and almost the more she loves him, the more time she spends with him, the more pain that's going to come. And we don't know um, what Mary, she didn't know what was going to happen to the Messiah. Most Jewish people at this time believed that the Messiah was going to come and be more of a military force, um, a warrior, a soldier to come and free them from oppression, from under the Romans. They didn't, she didn't know he was going to be the guy. And she wouldn't have known that what he did meant. Why was her soul going to be pierced? And um, Joseph wouldn't have known. Her husband wouldn't have known. So she had to kind of just deal with that, being told you are going to face incredible pain and grief and hardship. Although she faced all of this um, challenge, even just in that first bit of her kid's life, Writing, but it, it gives us a sense of how she might have felt 
she didn't know. And I can't imagine that. I think now that my kids are teens, I think you start to feel a bit like, Jeez, what are you going to do with your life? <laughs> you know, what What are you passionate about? What you know? Even now, I can feel myself with them. Like, where are you going to invest your time, your energy? So for Mary, having to wait 30 years before Jesus kind of declared himself, there must have been so much tension in that. Um, she didn't know when it was going to happen. She couldn't control when it was going to happen. She just had to get on with the mundane, normal, day-to-day, domestic jobs of raising a child cooking for him, feeding him, washing his clothes. And we know she had lots of other children. I think she had seven children. Um, So she would have been incredibly busy, a normal mum dealing with other sinful children, a busy home. And, you know, and it's um, it's so tough. And I think I really fear sometimes for my kids that they might miss out on certain opportunities, maybe because they don't have enough money or maybe um, just busyness that we don't, you know, what if they were supposed to be Olympic swimmers and we never took them to a swimming club, you know, because, you know, or maybe, you know, they were supposed to be horseback riders and we never had the money to buy them a horse. You know, I think we can fear um, things that we might have missed out on along the way. And I know that social media can speak so much into this comparison of, us looking at other people, what other people are doing with their kids, and or you know, just in normal life, I'm sure for everyone, we can just compare ourselves so often and feel like maybe we missed out, maybe we should be doing this thing. That that sense of FOMO is so powerful and can have such a hold on us. And um, and the I'm sure that Mary must have felt this so much that was she supposed to be doing more to make him the Messiah? Was she supposed to be taking him to special Torah lessons, you know, or where he was going to get the best training ever? And it just feels like all that time she just was doing the normal things and just being her normal self. And uh, we learn in in Luke, too, that um, Jesus gets lost and he ends up um, staying in Jerusalem at the temple, but for two days, Mary and Joseph don't know where he is, and he ends up at the temple, and when when they find him, they are like, why have you done this to us? And, and he says, quite rightly, like, I'm with my father, I'm in my father's house. Um, and I think, obviously, Mary and Joseph probably would have felt a bit mad and scared and for his safety, but also probably felt somewhere in there, a bit of a sense of pride that he just wants to be in the temple. He's the best student ever, you know, because many of their friends would have probably loved to have kids who were really into the scriptures. Um, But Mary and Joseph didn't do anything to make that happen. She was not in control. She wasn't the one who who left them behind. If If anything, it was their bad parenting that meant he got left behind in Jerusalem. She wasn't um, giving him this amazing opportunity to hang out with the scribes at the temple. Um, that happened because Jesus was who he is. And, and I think um, I find that incredibly encouraging because I feel often like, oh, what if I missed an opportunity? What if like, 
say is supposed to be something when they're older and I haven't done something along the way. Does this sound crazy? Anyone else imagine that? Yeah. So you can feel this sense, and just in our normal lives, not even just in parenting, we can feel like we've missed opportunities and have regrets and a sense that if we just done things differently, maybe our lives would look different. But I love this story because it kind of says Jesus was in control. <laughs> Jesus was in control. Mary was not in control. God was in control. And the same with our lives, with our children. Um, as long as we are doing our best to, to care for them um, and be a parent to them, God will do the rest. He is in control. And uh, Jesus didn't go on to start his ministry until he was 30 years old. Um, and that is so such a long time for Mary to have known these things about him, but probably not had anybody else really believe it. Um, but she held on to those promises, not because of um, anything that she did, but because of who he was. And I'm sure there were times she doubted God, but she held on to the truth of what, um, yeah, the angel had said to her, what God had spoken to her about. So lastly, I just want to um, talk about this tension between loving and letting go. And I feel like this is right where I'm at at the moment in my parenting journey. Um, this feeling of having invested for years, and some of you are right in the thick of that with little younger ones, where it is much more about physical demands, things that they cannot do for themselves. So you are doing those things for them. Um, and as they get older, the roles slightly change and you draw alongside your kids and it's more that you're teaching them to do those things for themselves to the point that we're kind of getting to now where they don't even need, you know, they don't need you to be there. In fact, you're really annoying if you are there trying to help them doing things. Um, and it is such a strange journey when you have loved um, so kind of practically and so physically um, for so many years, that process. And I'm sure for Mary, she had given of herself as a mom to Jesus and to all his brothers and sisters for so long. And loving is, can be a wonderful feeling, but it can also be exhausting. It can be kind of relentless um, and pouring yourself out for somebody else um, can be exhausting and I think for particularly for mums I think we can feel that we kind of lose ourselves in it especially when they're little we can feel like who even am I <laughs> what do I like doing again because we're so consumed with the needs of another person um, and as they go older and we of teach them how to do things for themselves we need to make room for them to fly and uh, just like as a mummy bird because we're going to get into term stuff um, a mummy bird kind of feeds the little chicks and looks after them in the nest and makes sure they're all warm and cozy then she has to teach them to fly and she then has to let them go and she then does not have doesn't force them to then come back it's left to them to choose whether they come back and what kind of relationship they have with her and for Mary 
um, I think she went through something like this so much before she had it, and I think it was incredibly painful. Um, I think in at least three of the Gospels, this story is told. Um, it says uh, in Luke, Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. And he replied, My mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and keep it and practice it. And I just wrote here, ouch. <laughs> like, as a mom, like, your kid being like, I'm fine. <laughs> I don't need to see my mom right now. That, that's hard. And, um, you know, this was an important enough story that it ended up in three of the Gospels that this was incredibly significant, that Jesus went from thinking of his earthly physical family you know, as his kind of family to thinking of these new believers as his family. And he was making a point that he was introducing people to the kingdom of God. And he was saying, no matter what your background, no matter whether your parents believe, no matter where you've come from, you can become children of God. You can come into my family and you can become sons and daughters of God. And if he said, oh, this is my mom, she's special, and brought her in, that point wouldn't have been as powerful. Um, but sadly, kind of her feelings and her, um, yeah, her love for him was almost sacrificed in that process. And I'm sure Jesus knew that. And one of the reasons that he had chosen Mary was because he knew that she would be able to deal with that. And uh, I think now parenting teenagers, I'm experiencing some of that. And, it's, and you know it's healthy. You know it's right. And I'm sure we all went through it with our, with our parents. Um, you know it's healthy for them to want their space and for them to want to go their own way and not necessarily be interested in what you feel interested in. You know it's right that they think you're really American and all of those things, but it's still painful and they don't want you in quite the same way um, as they did before. And uh, Francine Rivers puts it, Mary refused to be swayed by hurt and confusion. She knew Jesus. She had nursed him. And even as he walked away with her sons and daughters, she tried to turn them back. Remember the parable that your brother told us when he came to Nazareth last time. He's teaching the people about the kingdom of heaven. He is defining what it means to be children of God. His ways are not ordinary ways. His ways are higher. And as she spoke this out loud, assurance came, bringing comfort to her. And so, incredibly, Mary seems to understand what, Ma what Jesus is doing. That he, yeah, it does feel like rejection, but actually it's because there's a greater purpose. That he is bringing people into his kingdom. And I think there's an amazing lesson we can learn from this. And no matter what it is in our lives, whether it's our children or whether it's our jobs, or whether it's rela other relationships we have, um, if we hold things too tightly, <laughs> often um, we don't experience everything that God wants to experience from them. And
it is placed too much of our sense of self-worth or identity in certain things, then often those things will trigger and we um, we lose um, yeah, what the greater purpose of God's creation is. And Mary's greater purpose was that she wasn't just a dutiful mum, she was supposed to be a disciple and a follower of God. She wasn't just supposed to be his mum in her earthly sense, but she was supposed to be one of those children of God that he called her out to be. So I just wonder whether um, any of you are holding too tightly to anything. Maybe it is your children. We live in San Francisco, and I know that um, being here, I know we're probably more um, careful about certain things with our children um, and more, uh, we get more concerned probably about them doing certain things rather than being safe. We live in a big city. Um, but are you holding on to your children too tightly just in terms of yeah, what they might want to do with their lives? Do you listen to them? Do you let them have a voice? And do you kind of hear what their concerns are, what their thoughts are for the future? Um, are you, do you have kind of your hands open for his will for your kids? I think we probably all need to just ask for that courage um, to see the beauty of what it means to release them into the world and what God has offered them. Um, almost like a little caterpillar kind of emerging. Um, it's not always kind of pretty, and there'd probably be bumps along the way and mistakes along the way, but actually letting our children go and fulfill the things that God has got for them later on is so and ultimately, I think the amazing thing is, is that God, the Father, experienced this tension of loving and letting go um, more than any of us. Um, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Um, God, our Father God, is the ultimate parent. And he knows that tension of loving and letting go, of, of loving us but giving us free will, of letting us make mistakes. Um, he knows that challenge and that tension more than any of us. So, yeah, I just want to challenge you, like, if there is anything that you feel like you're holding on to too tightly, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's something else, Maybe it's that you're in the thick of it with your kids and you just feel like you're failing um, and you just need to know some encouragement from God that you are doing a good job and he's called you to be their parent. He's called you to be the one to, to lead them. He planned it. It wasn't a mistake that you're their mom or you're their dad. Um, he has planned it and he, um, yeah, he wants to bless you in that and encourage you in that that journey. <laughs> I feel like I've listened to my own voice for a very long time. Sorry, everyone.
absolutely amazing. As a non-mum, I was, I was like, you, I, I, so much rich material from the life of Mary that I could share with you guys. I would love to pray with Mary Sawyer. Um, I know that not all of you literally in this room, but I think it's certainly totally appropriate to do that. I feel like it gives me such a glimpse into the unique element of the Christian faith and the difference that Christ has made for the church and the gospel. So can we stand to our feet? I think Matthias is wonderfully getting ready to tinker in the background, as you you were saying, Ingrid. I need a better word than tinkle. I understand in America that does not work, Todd. Don't say the word tinkle. We need the referee. Uh, Play in the background. Um, But if you're a mum here... Um, could you could your could you sort of make, make yourself known and 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 can we just kind of we're, we're obviously you know relatively small in number so we know each other in a bigger sense we can kind of gather around friends that we know we can come to see and obviously can't touch each other I know but we can just pray for each other and let's just pray God's power and strength over these months it is a really big deal what these guys do and these mums do. And also, um, in our prayers, can we pray for those perhaps who aren't physical mums, but are spiritual mothers? And, you know, we really believe that, that we're all called as Christ followers to, to pour into other people. And in every bit, it's important, even if it's not a biological, physical thing, that we are all mindful of the fact, you know, I am, I'm called to multiply the goodness of Jesus by pouring myself intentionally into other people. So actually, today, I'd love us to pray for those two aspects. Yes, physical motherhood, as we did that today, but also the spiritual motherhood as well. Sound good? Let's just spend five minutes doing that, and then we'll sing a final song to finish. But if you guys can just be proactive, get around around the, the mums here. You can stay still, yes. So if, if the gentleman or the, that's right, you get the idea. How do I do this? There you go. Wonderful. Yeah. So let's just go for it, guys. Jump in. Start praying for these guys. My bad. (laughs) Don't look at me now. Pray to Jesus with your lips. There you go. You got it. You got it. And then when I pray, then we'll sing a song and we'll finish in prayer. Robbie. I mean, it doesn't matter too much, but just find a mum and start praying for her. I think groups will naturally emerge around mums.
the great spirit in the room right now. Thank you for all the prayers. As we get close to this service, can we just sing this chorus again? Just really reflect on just the goodness of our God. Thank you, Lord. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been faithful. You're good. With every breath that I am able. Oh, I worship of the goodness of God. One more time. Mothers, happy Mother's Day once again from the front. And I was just actually amazed at how like, there's not like a lot said about Mary. Maybe li- there's like a little bit. There's not like a gospel thing. But actually the depth that God is like showing about how family is done, like healthy family, is like amazing that actually like in a few words she's sharing with her Ryan and just the fact that we get to walk that out together as this family. I was just finding really grateful for things. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, a lot of things to go around. We had uh, John on the garage. We're back there somewhere in the stairs. Yeah. Um, we've got, who's back on the slides? Matt back there. I see the hat floating. Thank you, Matt. Uh, Matthias and Ryan singing. So lots of, lots of contributions. I mean, we have to go around and probably name everybody in the room, but don't forget, next week, we will, yeah, <laughs> next week, we'll be at the beach at 3 o'clock, Ocean Beach, for a beach hangout. Uh, like I said, details about the exact specific location to come, we'll look forward to that. And if you have kids, you can go get them now, and we will, with that, kind of hang out and try to eventually put the tables away, but why don't you enjoy each other's company and Go in the Oh, we can we can leave the tables out. No need. Go in the peace of the Lord.